highest of heights to the depths of the sea. Notice verse 30. Then they went out of the city and they came to him. They came to Jesus. You never know as you are sharing with somebody that the person you are sharing with could be the next Billy Graham or the next Greg Laurie. It could be the next A.W. Tozer. Certainly this woman was a wonderful tool in God's hand. Do you want to be a tool in God's hands? Every creature's unique in the song that it sings All exclaiming Indescribable, uncontainable You place the stars in the sky And you know them by name You are amazing God Oh, powerful, untamable Awestruck with Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Today, our scripture says, Then they went out of the city and came to him. The woman's invitation was effective. The people came when she told them who Jesus was and how he had impacted her life with just a brief conversation. When we share the gospel with someone and the word of God takes over, we have no idea how God will use that event to capture others' hearts. Remember what Paul tells us in the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 17. It says, So faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Now let's join Pastor Rob's teaching, already in progress. ...else in mind that I can't possibly understand at this moment, but I'm going to follow you, Lord. I'm going to follow you. And so Abraham took, verse 6, the wood of the burnt offering, laid his son Isaac on it. Now Isaac, by this time, is a young man in his prime. This is not some little baby boy. You know, um, Isaac at this time is, a, is, a, is, is probably in his late teens, And he willingly laid his life down. Isn't there a wonderful type there of Jesus? He willingly laid down his life. I wonder if there was a struggle at all. I wonder if Isaac trusted his father enough to say, because you know what he says. He says, his son says, Father, and Abraham said, Here, my son. He said, Look, the fire and the wood, but there's no lamb for a burnt offering. And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb. For a burnt offering. So the two of them went together and they came to the place where God had told him. And you know what happened. He had bound him and Abraham stretched his hand with the knife and he was about ready to plunge it into the chest of his son. But the angel, verse 11, called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. And I bet he's going, Oh, thank God. Think about slaying your only son, your only daughter. Think of it. Put yourself in that position. I don't know that I could have done that, honestly. You'd really have to be confident that you're hearing from the Lord and not just a voice in your head. And is that voice God or is the voice the devil? (laughs) You better be sure. He said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do any harm to him. Now I know. Now God knew that. God knew ahead of time where Abraham's faith was. But Abraham needed to know where he really was. And there's only one way to find out, and that's to go through the test. There's only one way. God knew that. But he says, now I know. In fact, Abraham, I knew before. 
But you had no idea. But now you do. Now you know where your faith is. And Abraham lifted up his eyes, and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket. And we know what happened. And so they offered up the ram instead. And Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. It was, a, it was a, a, an acting out, if you will, of what was going to happen thousands of years in the, in the future. From this point, another father would offer his son, his only son, on the same place. God the Father would offer Jesus, his son, on the cross. And he willingly laid down his life. Amen? And he went on in verse 17 in that same chapter. He says, Blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven, as the sand which is on the seashore. Now, wasn't that the promise that he had given him about seven chapters prior to this? He had given him the promise. And he reminded him, God reminded him of the promise. Notice that Abraham was not only willing to burn, uh, to offer Isaac as a burnt offering, but he would also, he knew it would negate the promises that God made to him concerning his descendants, including Jesus Christ, who would come through Abraham's line in the flesh, right? But Abraham, notice, heard the word of God, he obeyed it, and it is a witness even unto us today. It challenges our hearts. Let's look at verse 27 in our text this morning. Because it's going to make a lot of sense as we go through this. The word of God speaking. At this point, his disciples came and marveled that he talked with a woman. It was kind of a taboo thing to be talking to a woman. Much less a a Jew talking to a Samaritan. Remember, the Samaritans were um, a mixed breed. They were part Jew, part Gentile. And that's why there was such bigotry and animosity between the Jews down in Judea versus those in Samaria. And we looked at that a couple of weeks ago, you remember. And yet no one asked, what do you seek or why are you talking to her? And the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city. And she said to the men, notice, she went to the men. I don't know, you know, after having five husbands, maybe she bumped into one of her ex-husbands. I don't know. But she went to the men, and they were the most influential in the culture, so I don't want to negate that either. I mean, she knew that to get the men involved in this would be important, so I want to give her that credit. She said, come and see a man who told me all the things that I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Could this be the Christ? And again, not to spiritualize this too much, but I think it's interesting that she left her water pot. Her water pot was to get water for daily sustenance. And I see her leaving the water pot, and it's almost like Jesus is saying, you can leave that water pot here because the the living water that I'm going to give you is going to quell that thirst. It's going to quench that thirst. She'll never, I mean, she'll still need to get water out of the well. But she left the well. There was something more important at that moment. She needed to go tell everybody she could that this is the man. This is the one who the prophets have spoken of for hundreds of years, telling us that he would come. And finally he's here, and he revealed himself to me. He said, I am the Messiah. Didn't he say that in verse 26 of this chapter? I who speak to you am he. I am the Messiah. I am the Son of God, God in the flesh. And this is the witness of what Jesus had done in her life in an instant. Her witness was the ground. It was the very proof of what had happened deep within her. See, if we believe it, we are going to act upon it. If we don't believe it, then we won't act upon it. Do you follow? 
If I believe, if I believe in the Lord, if I believe in his word, then there's, there ought to be something in me that, that engages and I do something about it. I look at my own heart. I, I, I think of people around me that need the Lord as well. They need his forgiveness. They need the promise, the assurance of salvation. I needed that. And when I got it, oh my goodness, it lit me on fire. And all I wanted to do was tell everybody else about it. See, that's the word of God. It should have that effect on us. We, we, can't, we can no longer look at it. And I'm not saying that you are, but there are some who will be listening to this that are taking the word of God. They're just like reading it like a textbook. No, it's, it's not a textbook. It's a living, living word that's speaking to you that we're supposed to do something with it. Let it get down deep in your heart and act upon it. Don't just go, ah, it's nice. There's a lot of lukewarm Christians in the world. But God wants worshipers. Worshipers are those who respond to what he has done. And worship is not just singing of songs. Worship is giving your life a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. That is worship. Giving everything of your life, whatever it is that he calls you to do, you do it for him. You do it for him. And Jesus spoke to her about this gift of salvation, that he was the living water, the indwelling of the spirit that would be given to her. So what are we doing with this gift that God has given to us? What is our witness? What is our witness? I love what it says in Psalm uh, chapter 1. It talks about a tree planted by the rivers of waters that brings forth its fruit in due season whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever it does, whatever he does, shall prosper. It's speaking about the person, the blessed is the man who walks in the counsel of the, of the um, who walks in, 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 in the word of God. This person is planted in a, in a figurative sense by the rivers of water, and it brings forth fruit. What is fruit on branches? Fruit is really the, the expression of what's happening inside the tree. The leaf the health of that leaf is determined upon what is happening in the center or the core of that tree, bringing up water and nutrients and all those things that are necessary for life. A healthy leaf means there's a healthy tree. A good-looking fruit that's hanging down and sagging is a good sign. That tree is very healthy. And see, that's what you and I, that tree is witnessing, isn't it? It's witnessing to based on what is happening underneath that nobody can see. And it's blossoming. The fruit is out there. The leaves are shining. The flowers are budding. And everyone's going, wow, that's so beautiful. That, that's your witness. That's our witness. Remember in John chapter 15, Jesus said, I am the, the true vine and my father is the husbandman or the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear good fruit, he takes away. <laughs> and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And many people have been beaten up by this verse over the years. You mean if I'm not bearing fruit, God's just going to take me away? He's going to throw me in the fire? You know, this is one verse, and I remember this very clearly. When I was a young boy, my grandma and my grandfather were Christians, and they're in heaven. But they belonged to a very legalistic fellowship, very legalistic. And they used to beat people up over this verse. If you're not bearing fruit, man, God's just going to come by with those Fisker, uh, you know, Pruners and just chop you off and throw you in the fire. What are you doing for the kingdom of God? And see, that's how ugly it got. 
That's how ugly it was. But what does it say in the original language? This is very important. Write this down. I mean, it's just, I have to share this because it's driving me crazy. So, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Underline takes away. You know what that word means? It means lifts up. He lifts it up. When a vine is laying in the mud, they do this in Israel today. When you, if you go to Israel with us next March, you, you'll, you, you'll see vineyards, and, and you'll see them. I actually saw them on the road this last March when we went. That we went by a vineyard, and there was a boulder that some, uh, the vine dresser, the husbandman, had stuck underneath this, this vine that was laying in the mud, and, you, and it was rainy, and you could see where the mud was, and he stuck a rock underneath it, and he lifted it up out of the mud, out of the water. Because what would happen if it laid there? It would rot. But it needed to get air, it needed to get the sunlight, it needed to dry out so that it would be healthy. That's what that means. That's exactly what that means. It's a very agrarian picture here. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, what does he do? Does he just cut it off and say, you're done, I'm done with you? No, he lifts it up, he's tender, he's careful. He wants you to bear fruit. So when you're in the mud, he lifts you up, he sticks that rock underneath, and he bears you up. He said, the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. And who is the vine? Who is the vine? Yes, he is the vine. We are the branches. I am the vine, he says, verse 5. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Do you believe that? I believe it because I prove it every single day of my life. (laughs) I can't do anything of any value apart from Christ. But this woman of Samaria, she was already, in just moments after her salvation, her conversion, what is she doing? She's bearing fruit for the kingdom of God. What a wonderful picture this is. She was seemingly unimportant too. And nobody, she she was a woman of ill repute. She had a a reputation. There's no doubt about that. I love what it says in 1 Corinthians. He says, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God, notice, has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things, in other words, the lowly or insignificant things of the world and the things which are not, which are despised, those are the things that God chooses. Those are the people that God loves to use. The nobodies, the cast-offs. I qualify. I qualify for this because I'm nobody, I'm nothing. And the world turned its back on me and I turned my back on it. God doesn't need superstars. He doesn't need to superstars. We tend to lift up those who are born again that are superstars, the rock stars, the movie stars, the sports stars, the actors and the actresses. The Lord doesn't need any of these. It doesn't mean that he doesn't love those people. He does, but he doesn't need them to accomplish his work. God used a woman of very questionable morality to bring others to Jesus. And what happened here in Samaria is so unlike unlike America. We always put up the best. We always put up the best. We have the big name. We have the lights, the, the audio-visual stage set up, and we have you know, the, the spotlight right on them and the, the nice suit and the pinky rings, you know, and they're all glittering, and you show them like this, and, oh, it just blinds you because of the lights. And, yeah, we stream it to 128 countries in real time. God doesn't need any of it. He doesn't need it. 
Notice verse 30. Then they went out of the city and they came to him. They came to Jesus. You never know as you are sharing with somebody that the person you are sharing with could be the next Billy Graham or the next Greg Laurie. It could be the next A.W. Tozer. Certainly this woman was a wonderful tool in God's hand. Do you want to be a tool in God's hands? Well, you're going to be a tool in God's hands. And you are. And especially if you join us in July and August as we go out, God's going to use you as a tool. And it's okay to be a little scared and nervous about this kind of thing. It's very, it's something that the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormons, they've kind of cornered the market on that. We need to take it back. We need to take it back. Notice in verse 31, In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? And Jesus said, My food is to do the will of him who sent me. And notice, and to finish his work. His work. What does it say in John 17? I love this. His, his food is to do the will of the one who sent him to finish his work. And that's my joy. Hopefully that's what I get to do. Hopefully that's what I'm doing is being a part of that, doing his will, being a part of his work. What did Jesus say? He said, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come, glorify your son. And this was just hours before he would go to the cross, hours. This was the night that he had the last supper with his disciples, that he had the very last Passover meal, where he instituted communion, which we're going to be taking today. He said, the hour has come, glorify your son, that your son may also glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the, true, the one, only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth, and I have finished the work. Notice, I have finished the work which you have given me to do. The cross was yet before him, hours away. But in Jesus' heart and mind, it was already a done deal. He could say at this point, hours before they would arrest him falsely and accuse him falsely and go through all the parade that he went through with all these rulers. He had one more step to the cross, but Jesus knew that it was a done deal at that point. There was nothing that was going to stop that from happening. I have finished the work which you gave me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. There is his omnipresence. Jesus has always existed, even before his birth. That's what they call it, the mystery of the incarnation. Because he was alive very much, thank you, before Genesis 1, verse 1. That's why in the beginning, God, Elohim, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they all had a plan, and they worked it all together. And Jesus knew that man shall not live by bread alone, but, but, but uh, man lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. So in verse 35, he says, Do not say there are still four months, and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look to the fields, for they are already white for harvest. 
Right now in our country is a great time for the church to evangelize and spread the word. Why? Because many people, at any given time, but especially now, because over 2020 up until now, people have gone through so many emotional and spiritual and physical and emotional hurts and pains and, and, and scares and fears, and it's totally racked everything and everybody, and it's, it's messed up everything. <laughs> a disease that has a 99.8% survival rate. Isn't that interesting? Our whole world was upended kind of makes you go, hmm, something is going on. And it is. But many people are hurting right now, and the harvest is right now. So be sensitive to that as we go out in July and August to the neighborhoods around here. We'll go two by two. It, it, and and the, the weather is usually nice. We'll go out only when it's sunny. If it's really thunderstorming, we'll stay inside here and have a, you know, our normal study and worship time. But it's a beautiful time, and it'll stretch you a little bit, which is good. I need to be stretched, don't you? Because unless I'm put in a place where I'm stretched, I, I just I don't grow as well. But when I'm kind of put up to the task, when I'm challenged by something, that's how I grow. That's how you and I grow. I don't grow if I stay stagnant. If your Christianity is boring, if you're like, you know, I know I'm saved, but, you know, I just don't have any desire for anybody. I don't even have a desire to read the Word of God. Well, the problem is, is you've gotten lazy. You've gotten lazy, and, you, and the Lord is no longer, you're not allowing Him to challenge you in His Word anymore. You're taking the Word as for, you know, this is good for somebody else, not me. No, it needs, you need to be the first partaker of that Word. You do. I need to as well. I, we all do. We, if we stay still, we're going to grow moss on our back. We cannot stay still. We have to keep moving forward in Christ. Continually growing. Don't let your life get into a place, because that's really when people start falling off and dropping off the map. It doesn't mean they're going to lose their salvation, but you become ineffective. And you're no longer effective for the Lord anymore. Don't get like that. Pray about that. Verse 36, and he who reaps, notice, receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. Jesus said, do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But what? Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where none of those things can happen, and it's a deposit for you in heaven. You're going to receive rewards for the things that you do now in this body in Christ on this earth until Jesus returns for us in the rapture. We will be rewarded for things that we have done. I like that. And you know what? If I only get to heaven by the skin of my chinny-chin-chin, and I have no crowns, believe me, I'm going to be one happy camper. But I would be even happier of a camper if the Lord had given me crowns that I would just lay at his feet again and say, God, all these things that you've allowed me to, to, uh, to do in your name, it's all because of you. It's all because of you. I don't deserve these these are all because of your spirit working, and I just had to relinquish my life. And, you know, he who seeks his life will lose it, but he who loses his life for my sake will gain it. I've lost my life for you, Lord, and, and I've gained everything. And all of these, whatever, if there's only one, if there's none, I give them back to you. I cast them at your feet. You alone are worthy. And oh, how wonderful that day will be. Amen.
That's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.